BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 409. How are you all doing on this Thursday? If you're listening to it right when this comes out, it will be Thursday for for ya. I'm Jen Kirkman. I'm your host. I am a comedian. I'm an author. I'm a TV writer. But this is a podcast that I started in 2013 to talk about all the things I find fun that I think most people don't, and the reverse, all the things that people find fun that I don't find fun. And it just sort of branched off into me talking about what's going on in my head, in my life, in the world that week. This is not a joke, joke machine, joke per joke, jokey, jokey, jokey podcast. This is a real conversation, but it's, it's, it's having a conversation with a friend where you say nothing. And I am that rude friend who is just doing all the talking. So anyway, thank you for being here. You can go to jenkirkman.com and click on the No Fun Podcast tab if you want to go back and listen to all of the episodes that have happened in 2021 so far, if you're new. And as well, there is a link to take you back all the way to 2013 and listen to all the old episodes. And, uh, you know that's free. If you want to join the Patreon, and I highly beg you to, I need the money. I mean, I'm just going to put it out there. (laughs) I am on patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. The link will be in the notes, the show notes for this show on the podcast app that you're listening to it. It's $5 a month and you get four bonus. uh, You get four, you get all the episodes a month that you would get listening to this for free, but you get the video version and each video version has at least five to 20 minutes of bonus material. Um, I talk a lot more, more intimately on the video version. And then you get pop culture, 20 minute bonus episodes where I talk about celebrity stuff that I might not normally talk about on the real podcast. And then I throw a ton of bonuses in from my real life as I'm kind of walking around the world. It is well worth the money. And the lowest rates are three, five and $10 a month. Please do support me. It is how I support myself. This is not extra so that I can buy, you know, something fancy. This is truly my income. And if you want to support me and women in comedy and people who aren't Dave Chappelle making fun of trans people all the time, oh, what was that? Then please join patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Okay. So much to talk about this week. I am recording this from a hotel in Palm Springs. My Parents came to visit me in LA and uh, now we're down in Palm Desert. I'm also going to Palm Springs proper 
in a few days because I have a wedding to go to this weekend. So I will be podcasting twice from different hotels in Palm Springs. Um, So I feel like I have a lot of things to talk about that are like back from my trip in New York a few weeks ago for some reason. But um, I'll tell you two things that have happened to me recently. It's the headline is going to sound obnoxious, but stick with me here. I, I got recognized and then this woman forgot she recognized me. And then my own dentist doesn't remember giving me a root canal six months ago. So, but it, it was like, it was like invasion of the body snatchers, which I've never seen, but it's a reference I use all the time with these two people. So I'll tell you the first story. So I'm in New York, as you guys knew a few months ago or weeks ago, I don't even know. Literally my brain is done for the day. And I know I'm not making any sense. As the Vivance wears off, I am uh, sleepy and don't remember anything. But I was uh, in New York and I'm sitting outside at this little Italian restaurant, which was right next to my hotel. And the waitress comes over and she's kind of looking at me and she goes, do I know you? And I said, no. And she said, "Uh, but how do I know you? And I said, I'm a comedian. I just, at this point, I can't be coy and go, um, I don't know. Do we go to high school together? I know they recognize me from something, but I just never know what. And it doesn't even mean they're a fan. And she's like, oh, she's like, I used to work at the Comedy Cellar, which is a club in New York. And I was in New York. And I said, oh, well, interestingly enough, I've never performed there. So, but if you like comedy, used to work there. Maybe you've seen my Netflix special or just pictures of me online with other comedians. And she goes, no, I don't know your Netflix. She's like, but I never forget a face, but I'm forgetting why I know your face. And I was like, you sure not Netflix, Drunk History? She's like, no, no. I was like, I don't know then. I guess just around, you know? She's like, yeah. Well, anyway, what can I get you? Oh, glass of wine, some salad, whatever. And then she comes back to give me the wine. And she says, I know where I know you from now. She's at Chelsea lately. And I said, oh my God, you look so young. I didn't think you were old enough to have watched that show, which, you know, went off the air seven years ago. And I thought maybe she was like 21 and I don't know, you know, and I just wasn't thinking about a show that I'd done seven years ago that, that again, someone would have remembered my face from there. And she said, oh my God, I loved that show. And I loved you on that show. I'm such a big fan of yours. And I said, oh, thanks. My name is Jen Kirkman. She said, that's right. That's right. No, she's not a big fan of mine because right away she hasn't seen any of my work in seven years and doesn't know I have Netflix specials and yeah, whatever. Uh, great. You know what? You define fan however you want. I can't define it for you. I just know that I use it differently with people. And so she said, uh, well, so, you know, I said, sorry, you just look so young, she goes, no, I'm 30. I go, oh, all right. Well, that makes sense. You're watching your 20s. And like, we talk for a minute. She's like, oh, you still in touch with Chelsea? I'm like, oh, yeah, blah, blah. And um, I was like, how is the comedy story? You like comedy? Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And she just kept smiling. Like, she seemed happy to have me at her table. And she was being real cool. And uh, she came back to the table. And I said, now, how's this other wine? Is that... Should I try that? And she kind of gave a face like, no. And, uh, you know, there was just a connection. There was like, okay, we'd spoken. I gave her like a 40% tip. Then a couple nights later, it was my last night there. Um, I had decided to get up and get a super early morning flight. And I had some friends that were going out to dinner, but they weren't going out to dinner until like nine. And I was like, can't do that. So I went to dinner at like 5.30 so I could be in bed by 8 so I could get up really early. And uh, I go back to that place because it's right next to my hotel. And I see that girl and I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm like, I'm back again. By the way, I was literally wearing the same outfit. I go back again. I'm staying in the hotel next door. I don't like really live in New York. And she goes, okay. Like her face did not register me at all. And it was just, I get it. You're like, Jen, she's busy. There's been, you know, hundreds of customers since you three nights ago. I said, no, I know guys, but you didn't hear the beginning of the story. She said, I never forget a face. So she would remember my face from eight years ago, but two nights ago, she'd forget it. It doesn't make any sense. So I sit back down and she's like, 
would you like to see our cocktail menu drinks? And I'm like, does she not remember that I'm like the wine drinker? I go, oh, I'll just have the same I had the other night. That one you recommended was great. She's like, what, what was that? And I was like, oh, the, the wine, the Cabernet. She goes, oh, okay. And I'm like, this is the same girl. Because I called her by her name. I forget her name. But she seemed like, how do you know my name? And so then, but I'd been meaning to ask her, like I felt bad when I walked away because I was like, oh, if she worked at the cellar and knows comedians, I wonder if she's a comedian herself, but maybe was shy to tell me. And I was like to, you know, find out. So I was going to ask her, hey, so are you a comedian? And uh, it was, I swear to God, it was almost as if she went to the other staff and was like, can you wait on this person? Like, I think they're crazy. Like, it, the vibe was totally different. And she uh, brought out the wine and I said something like, oh, um, I already know what I want. And she's like, oh, well, blah, blah is going to wait on you. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, it was great to see you again. Um, you know, and she's like, okay. And just kind of went back inside and I thought, this is the weirdest thing that's going on. The only thing I can think is if it is at all personal that she went back to a friend of hers and said, oh, I saw Jen Kirkman from Chelsea lately at the uh, restaurant I worked at. And they went, Jen Kirkman, she's the one that like originally outed Louie. And, and she's always railing about these specific male comedians that Maybe she's friends with from the comedy cellar or something. And she's like, oh, well, fuck her. I don't know. Probably not. But the only other thing I could think is she just was like over it already. You know, it's New York. Things happen. And I just, you know, but I was like, I was here the other night. Remember? She's like, yeah. I mean, it was just weird. It was just weird. I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be for the week I'm here, like a regular. Oh, here's the waitress again. And she knows me. And she was really excited to meet me. And, uh, I mean, seriously, I was thinking like, oh, I should take a picture with her and send it to Chelsea and be like, look, there's still fans that are, you know, talking about the show. I mean, that's how weird it was that I was like, I'm not going to ask her if she's a comedian. I'm not going to do anything. This is all very strange. So if debit is your go to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded, too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. That was strange. So then I have to go back to LA and I'm getting a root canal. As you guys remembered, I had one earlier in the year and I'm a little embarrassed. This is a lot of root canals. I promise I have great oral hygiene. I water pick it. I use tartar control fluoride toothpaste. fluoride mouthwashes, flossing. But this was a tooth that they knew 15 years ago, like eventually this will need to be a root canal. It's just one of those things. Well, the time came. That was what the other one was too. Now, last time I had a root canal, it was my first time ever getting nitrous. We talked about this about back in March when this happened. And the endodontist that did it was the daughter of the doctor that I used to go to. So I go to this dentist place. This man, Dr. Gazarian, used to own it. Dr. Gazarian did another uh, big dental procedure of mine. Maybe, maybe it wasn't a root canal. No, it was a root canal like 20 years ago when I first moved to LA. I was crying in the chair, bleeding. I had no money. I was like, I can't pay for this. He was so kind to me. He was a vegan. He would say things like, I'm a liberal. He'd just like announce his politics. And I found him very relaxing. And then he died a few years ago. The business, the business goes on. But when I found out the endodontist was his daughter, I figured that out because she had the same last name. I know, I'm pretty savvy. I said to her last time, hey, I knew your dad 20 years ago, 
he helped me out. I thought you'd want to know this story. He was really kind to me when I couldn't afford something. And uh, she said, oh, my papa, oh, my God. There's not a lot of patients that, that you know, have these stories. But, oh, that's so nice. Oh, my God. And then uh, there was a whole to-do with the nitrous because the mask didn't fit me. It was too big. I have a small face, small nose, small mouth. And then she got the small one and put it on. And it was still too big. And you could feel the oxygen mixed with nitrous blowing out of the mask into the air. And so they had to take these tissues and stuff it in the mask so it would fit me better. Now, their masks kind of suck. I don't know why they have these awful masks, but they do. So it was a whole to do. It took like a half hour last time. I kept being like, I'm so sorry, but I'm not getting any nitrous and I can feel it flying out the thing. She also remembers me from last time, I would think, because again, there was just this whole to do about the nitrous and they kept running out of it because she was giving me a lot and it was a really long procedure, but it was because the oxygen was pumped up because I needed to feel the oxygen going up my nose because it would make me anxious. Otherwise, it was a whole thing. Like I was definitely paying the ass, but not in a rude way. I just had a lot of needs and it was a four root removal root canal, like huge in this molar. And they had prescribed antibiotics, codeine something, and, you know, 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. And they said, take them all. You need the codeine. The pain's going to be unbearable. You need to take the ibuprofen. There's going to be swelling. You need to take the antibiotics. All of that shit made me throw up. I was sick for a week. I stopped taking all of it. So I called them last time to try to get a prescription for anti-nausea medicine. They couldn't do it. I don't know why. So I did a telemedicine, half dead, with one of my doctors, and they gave it to me. So this time I was already, I came in and I was like, hey, it's so great to see you again. And she looked at me and then looked at my chart in a have we met way. And I said, um, you know how your dad did my first root canal and well, he'd be so proud of how great you did on the other one. And she's like, okay, like totally like we'd never met. And I was like, anyway, um, you know, last time I was here, uh, there was a whole... No, I didn't expect you to remember like every fucking detail, but that's what I was saying. I was like, last time I was here, I had a reaction to the nitrous and the... I mean, not the nitrous, to the codeine and the ibuprofen and the antibiotics. And I was throwing up for days. So I need you guys to prescribe an anti-nausea along with the antibiotics this time. And she said, oh, we're, we're probably not even going to need antibiotics on this one. And I went, oh, Okay. And she's like, but I'll write codeine sensitive in your chart um, if you think you can't do codeine. And I'm like, well, I know I can't. You guys gave that to me last time. And she's like, last time? And I was like, yeah, I had a root canal with you in March. She goes, oh, like just no memory. And so then she's like, oh, I think you need a small mask. Well, let's try the medium one first. And I said, oh, we already went through this in March. Um, you, and, and I remember the whole conversation in March was she was like, oh, my God. She's like, I've never seen such a small little nose and mouth on anyone. I mean, it wasn't an insult. She was just laughing. She was like, you have like a child's nose and mouth on like an adult face. I'm like, I know it's weird. So it was like a thing. She was like fascinated by it. So I was like, oh, remember, I have a child's nose and mouth and uh, we couldn't use the medium. And she's like. Well, no, you have a very cute nose. I won't deny you that, but I just think the small is going to be too tight on your face. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I wasn't trying to say I have a cute nose. I was trying to say, um, again, I was here in March and you were laughing. We were all like joking about how small my face was and how the small mask um, you thought would be too tight, but I knew that it would fit snug and it did. And she's like, I don't, okay. Like, again, she's just acting as though I'm like, I'm your long lost mother. Like, I feel I felt like Elf, you know, when he's like, you're my dad, you know, and, and James Conn's just sitting there like, OK, let's just get this over with. Uh, usually the, uh, you know, Christmas grams dance around. They throw my name into jingle bells and then we're done with it. But uh, what, what are you talking about? He's like, Dad, it's me. Like, that's what I felt like I was doing with her. And she's like. So you've had this before? I was like, yeah, here with you. Listen, I get that people don't remember things. We've all got COVID brain. We're stressed out. But guys, that was, it's a little ridiculous. So she said she had no memory of ever meeting me or working on me. So, okay, fine. I made no impact on her. 
But this time went way better. It went way faster. The nitrous just got right to me and I fell asleep. The last time I, it like literally did not affect me and I was kind of anxious and my body was shaking and I never fell asleep and I was just sort of having a hard time with it. So I don't know, this time it worked, but yeah, it weirded me out and uh, I felt like maybe I'm a ghost. Maybe it, maybe I really am a ghost. Although that wouldn't make sense because it's not now. It's like maybe I was a ghost and I just came back to, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to figure out. So I had a, um, at a moment, as, a, as an older woman who never had kids, I have these moments where I teach kids something, kids, meaning, you know, Gen Z, 20s, 20-somethings. I had two moments where I raised your children for you. Thank you. Um, so after the root canal, well, actually before the root canal, I placed a grocery order. Or no, it was after. I did a, you know, ginger ale and soft foods, things, you know, cause I wasn't gonna be able to eat anything for a few days. My mouth really was sore. And then the next day I was getting my COVID booster and I just assumed I was going to get sick, you know, fever, chills, the whole shebang. I really didn't. I just got really bad body cramps for a day. And it's not even that they were too painful. They were just too annoying. Does that make sense? It wasn't like, oh, I can just sleep for days. I'm so tired. It was, I'm so tired but I'm so achy that this is annoying me and I can't sleep. So anyway, but the people watching the video version get to see my eternal hell with this sign. Anyway, so I get the Instacart. So this Instacart kid, I'm shopping around on Instacart. I'm looking for soup, but I'm not looking for canned soup. I'm looking for, you know, that it would be at the deli. It's already in a plastic container made fresh that day, sold by the pint or quart. And I found it. I found it on the Instacart app. I just put soup and I scrolled down and it was like, deli, soup of the day. We've got some butternut squash. I'm like, oh, that's gonna be perfect. So I selected it. And the kid writes to me, I am in the soup aisle. I cannot find this brand anywhere. It doesn't even, even seem to be a brand. And I said, and he showed me the shelves and I said, you're in the canned aisle, but I bought fresh soup. And he said, yeah, I know. And I said, well, that would have to be refrigerated. And he said, oh. And I said, so he said, so do you know where this is? And I went, well, not exactly because I haven't been to the grocery store, that grocery store in a long time and I've never bought soup there. But I'm going to assume the deli because that's where they have ovens and food that they prep. And so I think... And he's like, but isn't deli meat? And I was like, no, deli has a lot of things like sides. That's where you'd get your soup. He's like, okay. So then he gets there and he goes, oh my God, you were right. It's there. And he goes, and you haven't even been here in a while. You're not even here. Do you, he was just like, how do you know? He thought to himself or he expressed to me, how do you know where soup that's been cooked fresh is kept? And I just said, well, again, the deli, has refrigerators usually. Now I know there's the freezer section, but this wasn't frozen soup. And he's like, wow, I'm impressed. And I'm like, this is not anything to be impressed by. Who is raising these kids? Who is raising these kids? I need to know who's raising them because I fear for their lives. And I was thinking about, okay, so let's see. When I was 30, when I was 29 and 30, I was working as a sort of permanent temp at Lifetime Television in their web division. And, but I got to go to some pretty fun like meetings. Hang on, there's something wrong with my camera. I got to go to some pretty fun like network meetings. And, you know, Lifetime TV buys a lot of, um, they buy a lot of uh, shows that are in syndication that they can show repeats of like Golden Girls. And so they were trying to buy some other shows and they bought Frasier. This goes back to who raised these kids, trust me. And so they were, they were like, we're going to buy Frasier. And I was like, I don't know if the lifetime audience is going to like Frasier, but 
um, and they didn't. It was like all these old women that were like, we hate this show. It's, it's elitist. And so they cut like Golden Girls in half and then they tried to make a play to get Sex in the City. But it ended up going to the E! Network and it was a big loss for Lifetime. But, well, it was a dumb mistake on Lifetime's part. But what they had based their decision on was some it wasn't a focus group, but it was this sort of sociology person that came in and talked about what the values are of young people watching TV today. So this, again, this would have been 2003. So basically she said people that were 18 to 23. So they were not Gen X. They were the first millennials. They, they would be what they call now elder millennials. Those people, unlike my generation, now the, the women in Sex and the City are older than me. So when I was, if I was watching that show when it was on the air, they would have been like five years older than me. But anywho, the point is in 2003, people that were 18 to 23 did not want, um, they did not idolize or idealize the women in Sex and the City. They thought it was sad that all of the women weren't married yet by 30 because this specific like micro generation wanted to be married with kids by the time they were 21. They, that was the goal. It was like it had reverted back to the 50s. And I remember hearing this data and it was nationwide data. It wasn't just some plunky little thing. And I just thought, the fuck is wrong with these? What is happening? What? Why are we going backwards? And so I swear to God, that weird micro generation, that's not quite millennials, not quite Gen X. These freaks did their own thing and they all had kids. And I don't think they taught them anything because 20 years later, almost when I see like an 18 year old, I'm perplexed and vexed at how little they know, no curiosity and can't seem to function. Now, of course, not all of you but like there's not even an ability to go, um, I have a question. I, 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 like I went to Starbucks the other day, okay? Oh, so this gets me back to who raised these people. So that's where I'm just like, the, the kid's mind was blown. And I'm like, I don't know who wouldn't show you where a deli thing is except that weird generation that probably raised their kids in this way that's like, I don't take them to the grocery store and teach them things. I don't know. I, I can't explain. I do everything for my kids. My kids are never going to have to work hard, you know, like I did. They're, they're going to have everything. And I, I, I just think that backfired. And maybe I'm totally making shit up. But I went to Starbucks to get some dark roast decaf for my parents, right? And I get the whole bean bag. And I have a grinder, but I was like, just let them grind it. It's easier. Now in the past, when I bought a, a whole bean bag and asked if it could be ground, they've gone, now, how do you want it ground? And I'm like, uh, ground up. I don't fucking know. What do you mean? And they're like, we have fine and cone and drip. And I'm like, oh, uh, they're like flat bottom. I go, I, I don't know what you're saying. What's what? just, um, I've got a fucking Cuisinart coffee machine, you know, just a simple coffee. I'm just a simple girl with a coffee machine. I'm not doing pour over and all this shit. And they're like, okay, that's called flat bottom, you know, grind. And I said, what if I said drip next time? No, there's all kinds of drip. I go, okay, got to say flat bottom. The bag will have a flat bottom, I guess. So now I think I'm being up on it when I go into Starbucks and I hand the teenage girl raised by potentially this micro generation. There's no way she's raised by a Gen X. And I hand her the full bean bag. And I say, I'd love to get this ground. And she just stares at me, deer in headlights. And I said, ground up, ground, can you grind this? And she said, um, I don't think we have any. And I said, no, no, no. You don't. This is whole bean, but you guys grind it for me. And she went, oh. And then she's looking on the computer and I said, uh, and I know I'm supposed to say it's um, flat bottom. And she goes, what? And I'm like, it's a flat bottom grind, uh, you know, just for a normal coffee machine, you know, like a filter coffee machine. And she goes, oh. And she just 
says nothing and then hands me a stack of filters that are like the size of filters you would use in a Starbucks coffee machine, like an industrial machine. I go, oh, no, 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 I'm not asking for a filter. Um, you can grind this here, yeah? Just And I was like, fuck it. I don't give a shit how they grind it. Just And she goes, yeah. And then I pay for it and she goes, okay. And then hands me back the thing and I go, you guys don't grind it here? And she goes, um, I don't know. And I was like, okay, I don't know what's happening. Um, and like, she didn't say I'm new. I don't know what you're saying. Like she was afraid. There was this fear. I've seen it in the younger people. They're afraid to admit they've made a mistake because this weird generation they were raised with like didn't give them a safe space to make mistakes. I- I'm telling you, I know I'm right. I want to go, how is your mom 40? I just want to ask, is your mom 40? Because I can tell. She's from the micro generation that thought Sex in the City was a sad show. I'm sorry that you are having trouble with this. So someone else came over and uh, the girl goes to her, she wants a filter. And the woman goes, we don't sell filters here. I go, no, I don't want a filter. I just want, I want this bag of coffee. I just want it ground up. And she goes, oh, okay. And she's like, uh, she realized what was happening. And she's like, I- I'll do it. I'll do it. And the other girl just was staring, like not even nothing. Just, I, I don't even know anymore. I Listen, I don't know. God, God bless all of you. Someday when you're all running the world and giving me my pills at the nursing home, you, you'll accidentally kill me because you won't, you'll be too afraid to ask a question. Like, is it two or three pills she gets? You'll just stare at me and hand me something and I'll go, hello, hello, Sarah. And she'll go, I'm not your old friend, Sarah Colonna. And I'll go, where is she? And they'll go, ma'am, she moved to uh, Germany many years ago. And I'll go, I used to do the comedy on stage. I said, I do the jokes. More stories than jokes. I had a podcast and they'll just give me the pills and I'll die because they gave me the wrong dose because they were raised not to ask questions. Ironically, there'll be Sex in the City reruns still airing on the TV in my room. So then I helped. This is another triumphant story. I helped another kid. So <laughs> the place where I, that I used to get my apartment is called Triple Mint. If you guys watch Million Dollar Listing New York, it's one of the uh, last season's newer real estate companies that was selling real estate. Now, I, again, I didn't buy my New York apartment, but Triple Mint has rental agents. And I liked Triple Mint because on the show, the guys at the bigger groups like Ryan Serhan and Frederick at Douglas Elliman and Steve, what's his name at Corcoran? They're like, oh, what's this triple mint? And I know they're like paid to like ham it up and make fun of the guy. But I was like, I like triple mint because they, they're just normal realtors that are like, here's a building. They're not like the superstars, like the other guys on the show who are these beyond type A. They're like, I go to the gym at 4 a.m. I do my weights. I have a smoothie. I'm running around. I'm typing on my phone while I'm holding my kid. I have a driver and I sleep four hours a night and I'm always thinking about real estate. Like it's just, I'm exhausted looking at their life. And the triple mint guy was like, Hey, I don't know. I may sell this. I may not, you know, just like he was super chill. So I call triple mint. And this young man, Alex, answers the phone. And I say, Alex, I'd like to rent an apartment. How do I go about getting someone to help me? And he asked me a bunch of questions. And he said, no, where do you live now? And will you need a moving company? Will you need this? Will you need that? And I said, no, I live in Los Angeles right now. And I'm not letting my place go. I'm going to be by coastal this year. Saying it like I'm saying I'm going to be a donut this year or a table. Saying a word that I think is perfectly normal in the American lexicon, not even, I don't even think I'm being cute. And he goes, oh my God, bi-coastal. I have never heard that before. I go, you haven't? And he's like, no, that is so funny. And I said, oh, I didn't even know it was supposed to be funny. He just, yeah, it's like a, I mean, a lot of people use it in, in particular New York City and LA. And he goes, oh my God, I am telling everyone. I go, oh, no, 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 don't. It's a thing. It's a, because I was like, well, maybe it is just an expression that like older people use, you know, people my age, or maybe it is. But how is he not knowing he lives in New York City is, I mean, he's not on million dollar listing New York, but he works for a company that's on a major network. And I don't know what that would have to do with, but he works for a company that 
has some people on it that are on Bravo, and I'm sure he's watched episodes of the show. They say by Coastal all the time. There was an entire episode about one of the New York agents becoming by Coastal. And he's like, I am going to tell everyone at work this. They're going to think I'm a genius. They're going to think it's so funny. I was like, I, I actually wouldn't, Alex, because it's a word. I didn't make it up and they've all heard it and they're going to think you sound dumb. And I'm like, I'm just warning you. He's like, really? I'm like, yes. I'm like, now that I've said the word, you're going to hear it 5,000 times everywhere you go. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, well, thanks for warning me. I was like, I seriously would not tell people it's the first time you've heard it. They'll think you haven't been listening because you've definitely heard it. You just don't remember or something. I don't know. Or at least they could think that. And he's like, that's a great point. He's like, thanks so much. And I'm just like, again, who raised you kids? I feel so bad for you. I definitely know it wasn't anyone who is my age because we would teach you to be curious and look things up without the internet and have a semblance of an idea that life began before you. All right. I don't even know what I should be talking about. I was going to talk about the Emmys. I'm like so into like this podcast I'm listening to about John Brown, the, um, the uh, abolitionist, but I'm going to get into that in another week because it's like a history lesson and I'm fascinated by it. And I, I didn't get into him before I watched the Ethan Hawke show, the good Lord bird, which is a huge exaggeration of what he was like. But but I was mentioning the Emmys because I didn't watch them. I don't really, I don't really care. But I never liked the Queen's Gambit. I just was so bored. I like actively hated it. And I also thought it was just kind of like sexist. The only thing I can call it is male gaze. And if you don't know that term, look it up. But G-A-Z-E. And, but, and the, I guess the guy, one of the producers of it, won an Emmy and he got up with this like nine hour speech and he got played off and wouldn't leave. But the first thing he said was, you know, I made chess sexy. And everyone was like, that's so sexist. He's the worst. I'm so shocked. I'm like, you weren't, you didn't know this by watching the fucking show. That's why I was screaming the whole time. It just looks like some dude's fantasy about a chick who's like drunk and has a drug problem and is dancing around in her, you know, slinky nightgown. And she has these big doe eyes and she's playing chess. And I'm like, eh, no, no, not for me. Great story, Jen. Wow. You should really do a post Emmys recap show sometime. What talent? Anyway, I hope you all have enjoyed my new podcast, Anxiety Bites. I've got some emails from people saying, I thought I knew everything I needed to know about anxiety, but I learned something. But I that kind of bummed me out that that was the attitude that someone had. Of course, anything can bum me out where I'm like, wait, were people really not going to listen to this because they thought they knew everything about anxiety? I mean, even if you did, wouldn't it still be fun to listen to? Because I tell personal stories and talk to people and who are neuroscientists and you know, you can talk to people who do anxiety uh, stuff specifically for black women or trans people or LGBTQ or men or women. It's like, or meditation. It's like you, what, you know, everything about every other aspect. Like I, I just thought, I don't know. I thought people that were fans of mine would support it, even if they just download it and never listen. I mean, I don't know. I guess I just don't get it. People are way too comfortable telling me shit, but Anxiety Bites, you can go to my website, jenkirkman.com, click on the Anxiety Bites podcast link. You can get it wherever you get podcasts. iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you do, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I'm not kidding. Like Mine was climbing up the charts and then it stopped, but if, if everyone that listens to this podcast had given it a five-star review, it would have made it to the new and noteworthy section, but it didn't. So good job, everybody. And then people are like, but then my iTunes account doesn't work. I'm like, listen, if you got technical issues, just don't fucking do it. Just, but I'm just saying, if you can do it and you just sit there not doing it, can you let this motivate you that you're letting Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino's show um, be popular because their fans write reviews? That's all I'm saying. And you can go, I'll write one on Spotify or Dinghu, fine, but it really counts the most on Apple but whatever. There's always a drama. I go, can you give me a five-star review in Apple? I don't have my password. Well, I tried to do it on Schmoopy Doopy podcast app. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I thought it was simple. 
I thought it was simple. You guys always ask me how you can help. How do I support you? I'm your biggest fan. I tell you and you're like, I can't do that though. I give up. It's like herding fucking cats, except not cute. It gives me anxiety to promote the Anxiety Bites podcast. I'm not fucking kidding. This week, uh, I'll be talking to Lisa Jacob. She was a former actor. She was in Independence Day and Mrs. Doubtfire, and she became a professional mental wellness coach. She has hundreds of hours of training and helping people with anxiety. She's a yoga teacher. She works with war veterans who had PTSD. That's so interesting to me. She, she herself is a lifelong panic attack survivor, anxiety haver. She's just a delight. So I had fun talking to her. And that episode is out Wednesday, October 13th. So it's already out by the time you hear this. Go get it. I know you can find it. Go, go get it. I know you can find it. I just threw the Frisbee at you. Bring it back to me in the form of a five-star review. Let's read some listener emails. I was going to talk about Dave Chappelle's thing. I'll do it next week. I got a lot more things to talk about. So last week I talked about, I think Russell Brand might be a psychopath. Somebody wrote, Jen, I love the show. Everything you do, your hair and style is so unique and glamorous. I adore it. Guys, see, you could see my hair if you join the Patreon. Gonna keep this as short and sweet as possible. When I was in high school, there was a vandal who would smear swastikas all over the walls in the men's bathrooms, yes, with his poop. I don't know how or who came up with the term, but henceforth, he was known as the poop Nazi. Oh, I hope that that was a takeoff on Seinfeld's The Soup Nazi, because that's funny. Administration was all over it, ending each daily announcement with, if anyone has... Any knowledge about the poop Nazi? Please come to the office immediately. Wow, I didn't even know that administratives, administratives, administratives called them that. This went on for about two years, everyone gossiping about who the poop Nazi might be. In my senior yearbook, there is a page dedicated to favorite memories of high school and someone wrote the poop Nazi. I never saw it since it was only in the boys' room. Life goes on and I started working at a company with a strict, rigid micromanaged atmosphere, the kind of job that records and puts on a report how long you take to go to the bathroom and return to your desk. Oh, about seven or eight years. I was there 11 years. The pay was incredible, but I quit finally when I couldn't stand selling my soul to a Republican Trump supporting owner. But she says, uh, eventually someone started smearing Hang on, guys. I'm doing something with my camera. I'm doing something with my camera that does not need to be done this far into the episode. But I'm doing it anyway because I'm crazy. Oh, I could have done this. I could have done this. I'm fixing a light. I'm fixing the light when the rain gets in and stop my mind from wondering where it will go. That's me singing the Beatles, fixing a hole. And I really want to know what day it is and what the time it is. You know, know everyone may prepare to pa-pa-pa, fixing a hole where the rain gets in and stops. We all saw it coming, didn't we? That I'd accidentally shut off the fucking podcast. I did. Anyway, let's keep going. I'll just edit this together. So this woman works in a place where they micromanage you going to the bathroom. Uh, Seven or eight years of working there. Someone started smearing poop all over the toilet and the walls in the women's bathroom. In an already paranoid workplace, the question again became, who is the poop lady? While giggling with a friend, when I told her this story, she said, that is a malicious act. No one in their right mind would ever do that for destroying the bathroom the way this person did. 
Oh, no person in their right mind would ever go that far destroying the bathroom the way this person did. A letter from management came out about it to address the person to please stop. I printed it and showed it to friends who no longer worked at this company because it was the funniest email ever. I wish I still had it. When I told you this story for the millionth time, my husband said, you seem to come across poop a lot in your life. Are you perhaps blacking out? Are you perhaps the poop Nazi? For the amount of disgusting bathrooms I've seen in my life, the thought did amuse me that perhaps I blacked out and became some poop-crazed lunatic. Would make for a funny crime documentary, but I guarantee I'm not the poop Nazi. People are just animals and it makes me sick going into a ladies' room and seeing something so disgusting, thinking a woman did this? Come on, ladies, we're better than this. Now I work from home in a nice, clean, happy bathroom until one day she turned on the light, which revealed fecal swastikas. She was the poop Nazi all along. Totally joking. So yes, I agree. 100% poop in any way that is not expelled, flushed, and disposed of is a malicious act and sociopathic psychotic. You are welcome to read this on air if you think it's entertaining. I'd be interested to know if any other high schools were plagued with the same problem. Well, write in your poop stories. I seem fun at gmail.com. Until next time, with lots of love and light, Sarah. Jen. Just wanted to say thank you for taking me to New York with you. I've never been there. I've been all over this hemisphere, but never there. Lastly, I got the biggest laugh I've had all week when you shared the story about your former roommate running into the bathroom. You can never go wrong with a fart or poop joke. Stay groovy, Jeff. Now that, Patreon subscribers, only you saw that. Regular people, I did a bunch of bonus videos from New York City where I told the story of my former apartment in New York City and it was another poop story. So there you go. Join patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman to get that. Now, somebody wrote in a while ago that they had a male doctor who was very condescending to her because she didn't have kids and she didn't know what to do. And she thought she might stay with him a little bit longer because he's pretty good with her allergies. And then I gave some advice and a listener wrote in with very specific psychiatric advice. I think this is good advice for anyone about anything, however. So I'm going to read it. Jen, longtime listener from the beginning and Patreon subscriber, first time emailer, you can use my name. The story about the woman who allowed her allergist to enrage her with his clueless comments really got me thinking. Your advice was to find another doctor, preferably a woman. This may well be the best thing to do here, but the next doctor could do the same thing, even if she's a woman. Here's another take on how she could handle it, which took years of therapy for me to absorb and digest. When I get super angry about something, I call it a hook or a trigger. Unless I clear that hook, any slight that is related to that hook will unhinge me. Hooks can be cleared quickly or it can take years, more common, and uh, usually takes therapy. This is why we should all have therapists. It might benefit this woman to examine why this interaction with the doctor enraged her and froze her. If she can get underneath the hook and clear it, she can approach that situation and others like it because I guarantee she will run into this again with calmness and confidence and even righteous indignation if needed. If her hook was cleared, her confidence around the fact that she does not have children would allow her to have an interaction, maybe like this, for example. Doctor, how are your kids? Patient, I don't have any. With a tone of surprise at the question, implying, why would you even ask that dumb shit? Doctor, oh, whoops, my mistake, that's embarrassing. Or doctor doesn't get the hint and continues, so no responsibilities, huh? Patient, Actually, I have a lot of responsibility, just not over other human beings right now with a tone of, don't mess with me on this. When we get hooked, we get enraged and or stuck, which means losing control and it gets us nowhere. Once our hooks are cleared, we have more freedom to hold our own, stand our ground firmly, or simply let things go because they simply don't bother us anymore. Clearing hooks is constant work and it's usually not one and done. Commonly, the same hook comes back to haunt us and requires work to be cleared again. Everyone's hooks are different, but really they often boil down to the same basic fears. I am not enough. I don't deserve love. A therapist can help a person articulate these basic fears, understand these are the lies we tell ourselves, 
where did these lies come from and can help you get to the truth, which is I am enough. I do deserve love. This is all to say that this listener might benefit from therapy so she is equipped to cope with interactions like this one, not let it ruin her day or her health workup that she's waited months for, and love herself more. Side story to show I'm definitely not opposed to firing doctors. Mine wasn't concerned about a problem I was experiencing, and she should have been concerned. I fired her and found another doctor. I also recently fired a doctor for what I believe to be inaccurate billing. I calmly confidently argued about the bill with the clinic, but they stood their ground. Okay, that's fine, but they've lost me as a patient. No sleep lost over it. Good luck to this woman on her journey, and I hope that allergist gets a clue someday regarding his inappropriate and misguided behavior. Cheers, Mary. P.S. I want to be clear that this is about day-to-day personal interactions not involving assault Also, I'm not suggesting that we don't get enraged over societal problems such as racism, for example. However, I do believe if each person had the ability, which usually means having a good therapist to do their work around their personal hooks, society would benefit as a whole PPS. There is so much to be said around the topic, around personal hooks and personal growth. I could go on and on, but I'll stop here. I've been going to therapy for eight years and I highly value it and I'm grateful I can afford it. Hey, everybody. I seem fun at gmail.com. If you related to the email, what are your personal hooks or triggers? I know mine. I just had to work on it. I get way too tied up when I'm getting harassed on Twitter for my uh, stuff that I write about disinformation. Like I literally will just not be able to stop like fucking with people and responding to them. And it has nothing to do with changing their mind. It's all a hook and a trigger from being bullied and going, no, I need proof that there's, I no, I need proof. I need I need to keep pushing them so that they are the most evil they can be so that, I don't know what, the world can see it and take care of this problem. There should be no more evil. It's like a a fantasy that I want that doesn't exist. And I did some EMDR around it and it is kind of lifted. Like it's amazing. So anyway, I just highly recommend, uh, I don't know, working on your shit as well. Thank you, Mary, for that. This woman, Julie, Jen, I just purchased the Dr. Bronner soap. Um, And she then just emailed me back. This was something I talked about on the Patreon episode. And she found some trial travel sized ones. And she's all up in that shit. I love it. You guys, I'm like Gwyneth Paltrow of Goop. I tell you what soap to use. All right. Well, I think we'll end there. Everybody. I hope you had fun on this week's episode. I'm a little disjointed. This is a crazy month for me with moving to New York, being in Palm Springs with my family, uh, who I haven't seen in almost a year, and uh, the launch of the Anxiety Bites podcast. I I hope I'm doing you well here. Uh, I'm I'm be recording episodes of No Fun all week here in Palm Springs. So again, if you have the video version, you will be seeing different hotels. I brought the No Fun sign with me and my ring light and the whole thing. Um, and by the end of the episode, I finally got the setup correctly and now it's over. Sorry, everybody. Again, um, thank you so much for, I don't know, listening to the podcast, being a subscriber, being an overall rad ass person. And until next week, have fun. (laughs) 